so much for listening to Pushing Praxis, Dialogues for Transforming Teaching. This is a podcast with Celeste and Ina, where we talk with educators, organizers, students, parents, and all stakeholders in the education of our young people. We're here to push ourselves to take theories and put them into practice in our classrooms, even and especially when it gets messy. Also, we're full-time educators, not professional podcasters. We're recording these conversations during the socially distanced pandemic, often on weeknights and from our respective homes. So expect background noise and fatigue and real unpolished human complexities showing up in these conversations. We're here to transform ourselves and our listeners through dialogues, So come along for the ride with us. In this conversation, Joanna Maldonado and Anna Acosta orient our work in curricular questions that are deep and community-centered. Where is radical love in our schools? Who's represented in our units? How do we search for answers to critical questions with our students and their families? How do we make change at both systemic and classroom levels so we can support students, families, and communities as critical thinkers and actors? If you're interested in learning some of the answers to these questions, take some guidance from Joanna and Anna. Take a listen. Welcome to Pushing Praxis. Um, uh, We wanted you, um, Anna and Joanna, to introduce yourselves as you want to be known to the listeners. (laughs) <laughs> Hi, my name is Ana Costa. Um, I am a teacher at Kelly College Prep in Bryant Park neighborhood. Um, and I uh, use she, her, her pronouns. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you. Um, my name is Joanna Maldonado. I am a CTU organizer, um, teacher on leave from Yates Elementary. And I'm happy to be here as well. Thanks, y'all. Um, those were some of the most humble introductions I've ever heard, because <laughs> I know you both, and you're both pretty badass. So we'll get into exactly how badass you are in just a moment. Um, but yeah, we're really excited to have you both here uh, because of the work that you're carrying forward um, that a lot of people don't know that you do in the backgrounds, um, in addition to being educators and organizers. Um, so I was wondering, we were hoping that you could, that we could start off with just a sense for the work that you're doing right now. And, um, the work that Nina and I know is, uh, the work in the sustainable community schools. Um, and you might have other things to bring in, uh, beyond just that project. But, um, if you could explain to listeners, uh, what that work looks like and the incredible labor that's moving forward with that, um, we'd love to learn more about that. Um, I'll go ahead and kick us off just because that makes sense. And then I'm going to let you hear all the incredible work Anna's been doing. Um, but I am a member of the sustainable community school task force which is made up of CTU, CPS, and uh, GEM members, which is Grassroots Education Movement. So to le- together, collaboratively, we make decisions about how to enforce sustainable community schools, support our leadership teams in the schools, and continue to develop our members' um, active <laughs> uh, participation in this process, as well as 
um, moving our, our, as you know, Celeste called it a project forward. And what we've been doing recently um, is working on curriculum. And so we have always had quarterly professional developments. We have always had support from the Quest Center. We've had a variety of speakers come and, and meet with teachers and groups. But we got to a point where we said, well, the sustainable part in the education point of this, right, is is something we need to develop. And that means that we have to get our teachers to start leading in these professional developments. And so a cohort was born um, that started with a small group of teachers um, talking about how are we going to ensure that the legacy of SES is grounded in transformation is led by students, teachers, parents working together to change the curriculum and how we see school, um, specifically around teaching and learning. Sustainable Community Schools does a lot of work around after-school programming, parent programming, advocacy, mutual aid, food drives. But the part that we've been really emphasizing on is the curriculum portion. Um, so that has led to you know, for lack of better words, right, professional learning community where we are learning um, specifically around the Black Panther Party for self-defense, um, as well as incorporating a process that we call curriculum circles so that others can be part of that planning process, because that is the only way we're going to transform education is if we bring our partners in, bring our students in, listen to our parents about what it is they want their kids to learn and what is going to be meaningful and um, and transformative. And so we know transformation takes time and we're really excited about this work that we've been launching. Um, so I'll let Anna talk about how that process has been going. And I just wanted to say for the listeners that uh, CTU stands for the Chicago Teachers Union because um, we have listeners all over the world. And so we just want to make sure people know that CTU stands for the Chicago Teachers Union. Yay. <laughs> and and the I know you mentioned, Joanna, too, the Quest Center, which is housed within the CTU. Um, and I would love to, um, Anna, maybe this is something you can talk about or uh, either one of you can address this, maybe just even defining like what are sustainable community schools? Where do they come from and all that? And if that's not what you want to talk about right now, no big deal. But <laughs> at some point, we can circle back to like exactly how did this start? Um, uh, and what does the work look like on us so far? So, Joanna, do you want to talk first about what sustainable schools are? Sure. So sustainable community schools um, are really a grassroots, bottom up um struggle that we have seen come to fruition in our lifetimes. And so what I mean by that, right, for as sure as long as we can think, we have had schools and public schools that have partnerships, that have parents, that have students that want to help transform a school or want to save a school from closing, especially in the city of Chicago, where schools that might be under-enrolled, schools that... Um, are always at jeopardy of being closed. Luckily, we now have a moratorium, but prior to that, we saw 54 schools closed, right? And and yearly things were happening. And so in, 
I want to say 2011, we're going to have to fact check, date check. Um, there was a hunger strike um, at Diet High School in order to save that school because Rom wanted to close it. It was on the list and they were um, adamant about closing that school and many others. And the community, along with um, Coco, Kenwood Oakwood um, Community Organization, Say you know, set up a hunger strike. Jeanette Taylor was part of that. G2 Brown was part of that. Monique Rudeau-Smith was part of that. Many parents and students were on a hunger strike for 30 days, plus before Rom even took a meeting about what it was they wanted. And what they wanted was to have say, to have self-determination, and to have funding in order to provide the programming and, and transformative space that they wanted for, for Diet High School. And so they were able to do that through our contract, right? So it started as a hunger strike. It's it, it, We got some attention from, um, from administrators in Chicago Public Schools. And then we were able to, in the midst of a strike, well, in the midst of a, of a negotiations to include um, 20 sustainable community schools. And so this was something that many people came together to to really define with pillars and principles by which we were going to lean into, that we were going to transform these spaces. And so it's $10 million a year um, for 20 schools. Each school receives anywhere between $420,000 and half a million dollars um, to actually determine what programming is going to look at schools, um, how to have a resource coordinator, um, restorative justice coordinators. You'll hear from, you know, Anna can tell you a little bit about, and she's been at Kelly for a long time, what were the resources that were brought in. And really, it's 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 a collaboration, and it's a partnership with, uh, with the community partner, right? And so, these are partners and schools that had been historically working together and finally had the funding to do the things that they wanted to do for their schools. Wow, that's awesome. And um, for uh, our listeners, too, we just want to say that Rom Rahm Emanuel is the former mayor of Chicago. Uh, and so we definitely were in a fight <laughs> with Rom Emanuel about uh, schools. So... Uh, I just wanted to make sure that um, the listeners kind of know uh, who Rahm Emanuel is. So thank you, Joanna. And so now, Anna, if you wanted to, like, tell us, like, about the awesome work you're doing at Kelly High School, that would be great. Yeah, so thank you. Um, so what I remember is Joanna, and I don't remember when it was, but had um, rang my phone. She gave me a phone call, right? And this was right after um i don't remember but i just remember the phone call where we spent a long time talking and and jonah was proposing um she just had this idea that she was working with in her head and she wanted to make it a reality so she called me and asked me if i wanted to be part of this i didn't know what the, this was but when joanna talks to me i get inspired so i was like <laughs> For her, honestly, for her to ask me to be a part of something, I'm very humbled because she is an amazing, badass organizer, teacher, activist, everything in between. She's amazing. Yep. So when she asks me to do something and she believes in me, 
I'm like, I cannot let her down, right? <laughs> so she called me and we had this great conversation and she's like, listen, we got to do this. Like this curriculum stuff, like this piece is missing. We have to shake things up. We have to ensure that our youth in these 20 schools are being provided with culturally relevant anti-racist curriculum, right? So what better, who better than to do it than teachers who really are grounded in that work to begin with? Um, and teachers should be working together to build curriculum with parents and students. So, you know, she proposed this idea and she called a couple other folks and that's how we started this small little cohort. And uh, we met many times. We had to ground ourselves in our mission. What are we going to do? What are, you know, what are the principles of sustainable schools? And, and little by little, we began to like bring, you know, bring life to what Joanna started. Right. It's really because of her that we're here. And and so we were like, OK, so we had this great conversations in the beginning about like, OK, so what topic or who are we going to how are who are we going to be looking at to lead that? Like in terms of historical movements, who are who are we going to be looking at to to provide that uh, that anti-racist, um, you know, badass curricula? And we're like, OK, Black Panthers. Right. So we all talked about little by little about like how we've seen we've used uh, utilized Black Panther, um, the Black Panther Party in our own classrooms and what we've taught about it. So that was really a major uh, focus in the beginning of our group to begin with. So um, we brought a couple other folks on board and and we, you know, we did a workshop. It was pretty cool. Like, you know, the first workshop, I believe we had some Black Panther members up in there, you know, and it was just really amazing to listen to like folks that lived the struggle, that continued to live the struggle. And then um, we started talking about these curriculum circles. Okay, so Anton, if I remember correctly, he had he had proposed this idea. He's like, well, this is what we did um, back in, don't remember what school, Hyde Park? Uh, it's one of those South Side schools. So he's like, let me talk to you about the curriculum circles and what did that look like? And so we were very highly uh, engaged in that conversation. And I was like, wow, I like this idea of curriculum circles. Um, let's try it, right? We all decided to try it. And we, we kept our work grounded in the in the Black Panther Party and what they stood for, right? So like all the wonderful wonderful work that they did in their communities for their communities by the people for the people because of radical love right that's what we wanted to ground ground this work in so in the spirit of the black panthers right um to bring life and to teach our youth about their badassness right so uh you know we got trained in these curriculum circles it was really a great um it's always great to get educators together, right? We practice, we dish things out, we work things out, we, we fix it up, we structure it. We become a student, which I love, right? I, I love to learn. So it was a very beautiful learning process. I grew a lot and we got trained in curriculum circles. We became facilitators, we practiced it out. And uh, then we decided that like, as this, core group, we're going to go back to our schools. That was part part of our goal. Go back to our schools and use this curriculum circle with our school, inside of our school building. So uh, last August, well, this past August, I had set up a session, uh, info session for the staff to see who would be interested 
uh, to work with me on doing a curriculum circle, a full session of curriculum circles, which runs to about like four to five sessions. And, uh, you know, grounded in Black Panther Party, of course. Um, and so, you know, I got a couple of bites. You know, there was about 18 folks who jumped on to that meeting. They, they were interested. You know, they liked the work. They loved hearing about what we were doing with sustainable schools and, and building this anti-racist curricula. Um, but in the end, I wasn't able to get um, teachers. I had like two or three who were really interested, but just their, their schedule didn't work, didn't align with how the schedule was going to look like for these curriculum circles. So I was able to recruit uh, my own students. So, you know, I, you know, I, I gave them a little spiel. I'm pretty good at giving them a little spiel. And uh, they, you know, they took me on it. So I, had, I was able to get nine youth um, to, um, was it nine, four, five, six? No, seven youth, seven youth to get on, to get uh, involved in this curriculum circle experience and then BPNC, which is Bryant Park Neighborhood Council, uh, the uh, coordinator was able to recruit two parents. So in total, I had like two parents and these seven youth who we met five times and they built this unit for me on the Black Panther Party. They decided to uh, they decided to uh, build a unit on the origins of Black Panther Party, and also on the Rainbow Coalition. Um, so you know, session by session was structured, you know, and um, everything was led by like the discussions where their conversations were held among the groups, the students, and also the the parents, and uh, they pretty much came together to tell me what I should be teaching in the classroom. Um, and, you know, I gave them a little background in the beginning of the Black Panthers. There was quite a few of my students, actually, about three students who were pretty much so interested in the Black Panther Party. So they knew a lot about them already. Um, they were very interested in learning more about the Rainbow Coalition. So that's why they chose those two, those two, um, those two um, topics to discuss the origins of the Black Panther Party and also the Rainbow Coalition, which was mm. secretly what I wanted to teach anyway the Rainbow Coalition, because I got so inspired by that documentary, which is amazing. That documentary on the Rainbow Coalition is amazing, crazy good. Um, so, yeah, they worked together. It was, it was amazing because I, like, some of the first questions uh, that, we, that I had asked the group was, like, what, do, what is the goal of education, right? What do they want to see us teach them? What do the parents want us to teach their children? Um, what kind of things they want to learn in the school? And it was really just, it was very refreshing uh, to listen to both the parents' lens, through the parents' lens, and also through the youth lens. And, you know, I agreed with everything they said because, you know, we know that education's got to change, right? We know that what the youth are learning in the classrooms need to be more relevant right? Not just culturally relevant, but also like life skills relevant, right? Like what can we provide them that they can take out of the classroom and nurture and grow, you know, become a better human being outside of the classroom, right? And so it was very, just a beautiful experience to see like the parents engage with the youth and have real great discussions. And it's interesting because most of these students, 
I would say the majority of them are quiet students. They're very quiet, introverted students, but they had so much to say and so much to say and so much to, to show me. I learned so much from them. And, uh, the, and she the hasn't last... even started teaching the unit yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and I like giving reflections, you know, like, so reflect on experiences and stuff because it's important to reflect on, you know, what you went through, what you felt and stuff like that. So, you know, one of the questions was like, what did you learn about yourself in the process, right? So that to me is very important because I want them to see themselves as educators, right? Y'all got skills. You guys got it in you. You just got to like, you know, let it out, right? So I had a student say like, I'm still very shy, but I know I, know I have things to offer. And the parents, same way. Like, I never see myself as an educator, but I am. Yeah, you wow. are. <laughs> You're an educator. That's so powerful. Yeah. Yes, yes, it is. That is really powerful. And so just just listening to uh, you both talk about uh, the sustainable community schools and how you are, you know, doing the curriculum circles and how it kind of started from the uh, diet hunger strike. Um, so just thinking about what you've done so far, how how do you feel that um, this is providing uh, healing uh, for the community or for you as, as teachers and organizers and the students and parents? Like, how do you feel like it's providing healing uh, in the community from, you know, the different things that, you know, have been going on? Um. I do want to correct some of the stuff that I said earlier, right? Um, the hunger strike was in 2015, and it was in the bargaining of the 2016 to 2019 contract that we were able to get sustainable community schools on there. And it was really like a blurb. Like, it was like a little <laughs> two, three sentences in the contract that I think a lot of people missed. And um, it was something that, like wasn't something that CPS until this day is largely supporting um, because there is the healing, the part of it, right? It is the the part that's going to um, really make education different, right? And this is the thing that I focus all of my, as much, not all, but a lot of my energy behind because it just reminds me, and Anna talked about kind of like that phone call that started a lot of this, and the timing of it was actually um, Karen Lewis's passing. Mm. And it was after going to a couple of um, Passovers. Karen Lewis being the previous president of the Chicago Teachers Union and an important leader in Chicago. Sorry, Joanna. <laughs> I need everyone to know her name. <laughs> no, and that's why I'm like, I can't do this interview without bringing her up because yeah. Karen Lewis dramatically changed and was the caveat for, for where we are as a union and how we are situated in this country and in this moment. And all of this is possible because of the work that she not only did within teachers to really um, uphold our profession, to reduce standardized testing, to get back to the love of teaching and learning. And so, you know, when she started, right, and when folks started working on this, 
people were thinking about something like a sustainable community school, but it wasn't until years later that it had a name. And after she passed, and I'll add this too, right? Karen Lewis was my teacher. And as a teacher in high school for me, um, which was for forensic science, which I can't tell you a thing about forensic science, but what I, what I can tell you about are the conversations that I had with Karen and how frustrating they were. And she will tell this story. She would have told the story about how, how, how hard it was to kind of get through to me and how she wanted me to be a critical thinker and how mm. she mm. wanted me to figure things out. And she was not going to give me the answer. She was not going to tell me what to do. She, I, I was yeah. so used to as a, you know, I went to Lane Tech, right? So as a selective enrollment student who was on their way to college, I just needed that A, right? And I'm like, what do I need to do to get it? She's just like, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Just tell me what I need to do. And so years later and um, and really listening to folks talk and watching past clips of her, there was a thing, you know, there was a lot of things that resonate, but school for me and many is <laughs> boring. And I'm just going to say it flat out, right? When we are as educators and as students treated like robots, who are supposed mm -hmm. to be following these uh, very um, archaic and also mechanic um, ways of teaching and learning is not producing critical thinkers. And it's not opening doors or wavelengths for, for students or anyone to want to stay in this profession or become educators. And that is the healing part of this, is that we are doing something that is actually going to heal hearts and minds about what are the opportunities and what are the ways that we can grow and we can change and transform our own thinking, ourselves, our country, our lives. And I really do believe that this is the way forward for public education this is how we get out of the mess that we are in is to allow for autonomy in our classrooms to have and demand voice from students and parents and community members and for all of us to do this together because if they're not planning with us they're not planning for us they're they're planning for themselves and so we have to take charge of what the day-to-day -day school operations and what students are learning into our own hands. And that is what heals. That is what's going to get us out of where we're at. And so, Anna, what, what do you feel like uh, in the process with the students and the parents? Um, did you, do you, how do you feel in terms of the healing um, when you're working with students and parents to try to you know, develop a curriculum that they want and what they think the goal of education is. Um, so that was very beautiful, Joanna. I love that. Um, it's like, oh my goodness, it's amazing. Um, no wonder that phone call hooked you, Anna. <laughs> so, yeah, I was thinking as, as Joanna was talking about it, like I come back to this idea of um, radical love, right? Radical love mm. and... Mm. and um, so like for me, the healing part is probably three things. So number one, the healing part for me, I think is, is um, coming together, the, the youth and the parents, which I uh, had one Chinese student and the rest were Latino students. So for me, it's important 
this group of parents and students to learn history, to learn about black folks in this country, number one. We should be learning black history. It should not be a side note. It should not be only in February. It should be integrated in our curriculum period. So for me, it was important that these Latino students and the Chinese student got a glimpse of the amazing, amazing impact Black folks have had in our country and have contributed in our country. So that to me is fundamental. Like that is important. Like, you know, I'm, you know, my, 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 my teaching has changed, has really dramatically. I've become a much different teacher than I was when I first started. And this happened, I can honestly pinpoint when it happened. And that's when that video clip was released of Laquan McDonald. I remember specifically that is where my journey as an educator changed, is when I saw that. And I... And for listeners, Laquan McDonald was the murder of a teenage boy that Rahm Emanuel, that mayor that we mentioned before, covered up. Yeah, and like I honestly feel like that caused a switch in my in my head and and from that point on I knew that um I had to tell as many narratives about black folks in this country as possible. Right? Mm-hmm. My history had to include the history I was teaching the students had to include many narratives and it had to include narratives of of those folks in our country who have been oppressed. So just getting his stories to my students who are mainly Latino and Chinese uh, is important to me. Like y'all got to learn these histories, right? Um, number two, the second part of the healing is coming together, right? After pandemic, just the fact that we were able to come together in this space and, and sit together, parents, students, uh, and, and educators, uh, that was also, that's also very, very healing. Um, you know, we all, we all saw life and we all experienced life through a different lens, parent lens, youth lens, teacher lens, uh, but we have a lot of common struggles, right? So like that was a bunch of community building. And number three, just sharing space, with, uh, sharing space and being intentional with, a, uh, being intentional with the message of radical love, right? The radical love that the Black Panther Party demonstrated for their folks and for the community is inspiring. And that's the type of radical love that I I want everybody to have, <laughs> right? I want I want to feel that, right? And I want other people to feel that because it's like you do it for the people and it's by the people and it's for the people. Um, and they could be a model for what our communities can be and what they should be. So can that's my healing. Like, okay, can you give us like, because you keep talking about radical love and from the perspective of the Black Panther Party. Can you kind of give us some more um, details about what that looks like? So radical love, uh, the way I perceive it, radical love, we're talking about uh, the priorities of educating, right? Educating, right? Educating the youth and making sure that the youth know the truth, right? Speaking truth to power. Mm. Y'all better learn the truth because, you know, you were taught something that's totally fake and it was a bunch of lies, a one-sided, whitewashed, right? So that love in you wanting your youth and your people to learn truths about what happened and the experiences, right? That's radical love. 
radical love in taking care of your community through instilling clinics, right? Clinics to take care of your folks. All right, you don't want to help us, you don't want to nurture us, then we're going to have to build our own clinics because we love our people and we want to keep them healthy, right? Radical loves in, all right, there's no food for our folks. That's mm-hmm. fine. We're going to make a breakfast club, yeah. right? We're going to create this love for our community because government, y'all don't care. We're going to show our people that we do care. Um, and those mm-hmm. that to me demonstrates like that, just like that, that love that, you know, just mm-hmm. that was just their, their message was, mm-hmm. you know, we got to love each other. Yeah. And I was just thinking about um, what you were saying too, Joanna. And I had the opportunity also in high school to interact with Karen Lewis. She worked at Sullivan High School as a teacher too, before she went to Lane. And so I knew her as a high school student. Um, And so just interacting with her, um, she wasn't my teacher, but her presence was felt um, throughout the school. And to, you know, um, to carry on her work and to be a teacher under her, you know, now, um, you know, when she was the union president uh, and then running for mayor, um, then I, that was an awesome experience. And so I, I feel like, you know, she, she's been kind of behind the scenes of a lot of people's lives and uh, kind of pushing us to, to make some type of change um, and be pushing for, uh, you know, transformative education, uh, you know, in these schools. And so thank you so much uh, for sharing with us about what you think about in terms of healing uh, and what type of healing our communities really need and and the fact that parents and um, student voices have to be heard. And and I I love the fact that you're sharing um, Black stories uh, with, you know, youth uh, at your school. that may not be, you know, black students, Asian and Latinx students, because I think it's important that that's something that we like communicate to each other so that we can share, you know, um, what we've been through so that we can also then, like you said, teach the truth and, and change it. And so um, I, I believe that Celeste might want to, <laughs> what, what are you thinking about Celeste? <laughs> so many things. Oh my God. <laughs> Taking a lot of self-control to not like blurt out a thousand questions. Um, so yeah. Uh, and, and we'll put in the um, show notes information about the diet hunger strike and how incredible that struggle was. Um, and also information about the Black Panther Party and the Rainbow Coalition and that, um, uh, documentary that Anna talked about because it's incredible and I feel very fortunate to be um, you know working uh, standing on the shoulders uh, I got to come up with a less ableist phrase but you standing on the shoulders of people who came before us in this city um, which the Rainbow Coalition is originally Chicago like we have a lot of uh, a lot of incredible history in this city um, and we've always had a lot of um, pretty uh, in, um, terrible mayors <laughs> to fight against. So daily really set, a, set them off. Um, and then we had ROM and everything in between. Anyway, questions. Uh, so I am, this to me is like, this is one of the first conversations that's taking, I think, um, that's taking us to 
uh, like a really union level, an institutional level, an organizing level, um, because what you're talking about, uh, the way that I'm understanding is that this is implemented um, at the district level, right? It's it's something that the union was felt accountable to the community. And so we put it in policy that would affect our whole district, right? Um, which like, I feel very proud to be a Chicago Teachers Union member right now because like that's an incredible um, win that we got those sentences in our contract and then made it uh, a reality in this city and kept fighting to make it a reality. But that's the other part is that you can get that language in a contract, but you have to organize to make sure it's enforced and to make sure that that funding gets where it needs to go and that it's in the hands of the right people and that the community is involved like at every step of the way. Because like you were saying, Joanna, nothing without us uh, nothing about us without us is for us. Like the, the people need to be in that process um, at every step of the way. So like you're not, we've talked a lot with folks about like what they do in their classrooms and like ways to design curriculum and like ways to um, transform our day-to-day our -day practice. And this is this is challenging us to think bigger than that and to, to think on a, a policy level, on an organizing level, institutional level, community level. Um, but what you have made come to fruition is incredible is beautiful um and uh <laughs> a little intimidating <laughs> i mean i can't I, if i were i'm just trying to think from the shoes of an educator who's in a state that just passed a law where critical race theory is uh prohibited from the classroom you know what do those folks do like what do we what do you all think about i i, I feel fortunate to be under the umbrella of the union um, that we have here in Chicago to have the history that we've talked about in this city and not everyone's that fortunate even some of the suburbs of our city like you you can't get away with this same thing or if you ask parents what they want they might not tell you teach my students about the radical love of the Black Panther Party <laughs> so wondering like how how do you what do you think this means like what are what are the implications for people who are in a context that looks really different from ours in Chicago. Like, cause what the, the healing, the, the, the transformation that you're talking about, I want that for everyone. Like that is what our young people deserve. And I say this as a, uh, I'm talking to my like little white girl self from the suburbs from two decades ago. Like I wanted that for myself and I didn't have that. Like, and students who come from these communities deserve this history in their curriculum every day. Um, so yeah, like what do we, how do we, how do we translate this for folks that are not in the Chicago Teachers Union, not already connected to sustainable community schools in one way or another? Um, yeah, what do you all think about that? I mean, I think back to the fact that like, I'm a Chicago public school product, right? I went to school in CPS and not for a single hour of my learning did i learn about the black panther party in school um and it is a shame it is repulsive and yet we have policies in chicago public schools that date back to the 90s when i started school um that said we're supposed to be teaching chicago history we're supposed to be teaching black history we're supposed to be doing all of these things and not only is it mm -hmm. a district policy there are 
legal ordinances at the city level. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we cannot have this conversation without talking about reparations. One curriculum that is not being taught at every school, even though there is a curriculum that is in place. Um, Which we will also link in the show notes because everyone should know about that. It's definitely tied. (laughs) Absolutely. And that's our history. And yet folks aren't teaching it, right? And so when we talk about and what I heard from some folks is we're not sure how to have this conversation with our students. Yeah, we have the materials, but we're not really ready or we're not really sure how to handle those conversations. And what I'm hearing them say is you have not created a safe space in your classroom for students to ask questions to be critical thinkers. And at the end of the day, that is everyone's responsibility who is in front of children and what every teacher wants is to have kids who are engaged and are critical thinkers. So where is the fear? Why do educators feel this way? And it is because they are conditioned and trained to think that they have to have the answers, that they have to know Mm. everything, and that Mm. they are the ones that are giving information to other people. And that is what has to be changed because that is too limited when we have the majority of our district is white and the majority of our student body is not. And so it, the majority of our teaching district, you're saying, yes. is white. And that's it. That's across the country. Right. If you think about mm-hmm. public schools mm-hmm. across the country, yes. those are the dynamics in the places that we want to transform. And so we have to really get into teachers not being scared of kids asking questions and not, and I don't, you know, I don't have to have the answer to everything. Some of the best units I ever taught were when we said, let's figure that out together. This is how we do research. This is how we figure this out. Right. And those were the times where my students were the most engaged that, and then when you, and then if you do that with people that look like them and validate the stories that are coming from their families and listen to what their lived experiences are. That is when you get to transformation. And so Mm. it doesn't matter where you are in this country. I am extremely proud of those educators that continue to teach the truth that and and that are thinking on i mean because there's so many policies right we need to increase the number of black educators in classrooms in front of our students there are systematic ways in which they have been removed from classrooms and we need to continue to fight those battles and we have to continue to validate the fact that this is history <laughs> and this is this is not subjective this is not how i feel this is not what i think and when you talk to party members all they ask is that educators teach the truth that's it teach the truth that is there and so how party to do it being black panther party black members? panther party members yes thank you um and if you're thinking about where to start It starts with working with community. It starts Mm. with working with parents. It starts with the conversation about what do you think about what your kids are learning? And even if you don't know what it is you want them to learn at that time, or parents may not know what they want to learn at that time, you'll figure that out, right? But it's about having those conversations, pulling those meetings together and seeing where do we go from here, right? And so... We all of this was possible because we bargained for the common good in Chicago. This is not about just mm. teacher salaries and benefits. This is about bargaining for what is actually going to save public education and ensure that our students are prepared. And so 
start there. Just start with the conversation. See who are the who, who are the community partners that parents are already working with. Mm-hmm. BPNC, Bryant Park Neighborhood Council, did not just pop into Kelly High School. They had been working with Kelly High School, will continue to work with Kelly High School, regardless if it's a, a sustainable community school. But because they had been working together, because they had dreams, because they knew what the school was and what they wanted it to be, that is how we were able to gain momentum. And that is how we're, we're able to push forward because we just are requiring the funding for what our dreams are. Yeah, and I think that that's really uh, critical that uh, a lot of times, you know, when people are trying to get started with uh, doing work like this, um, it's like everybody wants to have everything all in place, right? So sometimes some things are already laid out there. They're there. They're present, like the Brighton Park Neighborhood Council, um, and they've been pushing for years for, for things like this to happen. And so I think that, that that is just definitely a good first step is to look at the community and look where the partnerships are so that you can, you know, start building that community between uh, parents, students, and and teachers uh, to be able to, you know, transform their communities working together. And so I think that's like really important uh, work. And that, you know, as as teachers, uh, me and Celeste, you know, we always kind of think about like, you know, um, when we interview guests, like what what do you think uh, as teachers in Chicago right now, like what do you think that, you know, we should be doing? Like, how should we uh, be trying to push our schools if we're faced with, you know, even roadblocks in Chicago? Um, so if you have the community connection, you have the parents, you know, um, sometimes there are roadblocks inside of schools. And so I just wanted to ask Anna, like, you know, you, you were saying that you work with some of the teachers, well, you were trying to work with teachers, but did you experience any other like roadblocks like trying to start this uh, curriculum uh, circle at your school? Um, no, I didn't. Luckily, I didn't. Uh, like Joanna had mentioned, BPNC, our uh, partner agency, has been inside the building a long time. I mean, I've been doing uh, work with BPNC since pretty much since I've been at Kelly, and I've been at Kelly for 21 years. Um, so they've always yeah. been a sustainable, <laughs> wonderful part of our family. Um, so they've always been there for as long as I can remember. Um, but I didn't have any roadblocks. Um, what, um, what I want to want to go back to what Joanna had said about reparations one. And, uh, I know in the, it's, it's mandated curriculum to teach, you know, for, uh, some, for eighth graders, seventh graders. And, and if I could really quick just say, like, Reparations One is about teaching a curriculum that recognizes a history of police torture in Chicago, um, particularly police torture of mostly Black people, um, also some Latinx people. Um, but it's a long, dec- it's a decades-long history in this city under, uh, mostly under a man who's named John Burge, who was the chief of police. Um, and uh, this took a lot of organizing and grassroots fighting to get this something that would be implemented in schools and sustained uh, through historical memory through our classrooms. But we'll link more to this in the show notes, but go for it, Anna. Yes. Uh, Yeah, so I was just uh, thinking about when she was talking about that, that, like, I never gave um, the curriculum enough of, like, love and enough attention because we always, like, (laughs) in 
as history teachers, we always have like a certain set curriculum. You got to get through like these two gajillion <laughs> oh, years oh. in like two months, right? Uh, so I always <laughs> like, yeah, I am making up. We're not bad right. teachers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we like it. We like it. I'm here for it. Yes, yes, but, yes. Um, oh, and so God. I never gave it the respect it like deserved the stories. I never gave the the survivors the respect or you know enough time, right? So I made it my um, you know I made it a goal to to. Uh, go through, uh, do the entire mandated curriculum. And, and I did it for the first time, you know, thoroughly, authentically, uh, had a survivor come speak to my, my class. And it was, I've heard him speak before a couple of times and it's, it's always, it breaks my heart. Every time I hear him, it breaks my heart. Um, but it's a mandated curriculum and I'm already comfortable in and vulnerable in, in my willingness to teach the truth. And the problem is that in that building, in our building, I'm not sure I can honestly say that many of us are teaching that curriculum at all, though it's mandated, because we all have our reservations or fragility. We all have our like, Mm -hmm. ooh, we don't want to touch that. I want to get in there, right? Uh, but so, you know, it, it makes it kind of uh, difficult to it makes it difficult to work sometimes or to try to cross curricular work with t- folks if they are not in on the same wavelength as I am <laughs> with social justice and with reparations. And so it makes it really difficult to have like good, strong relationships with, um, you know, in, inside the school building when my thinking has totally been radicalized in a good way, in a justice way, in a, in a beautiful way. Um, so, but I didn't have any pushback at all with the curriculum circles. You know, they were all about it. Like, you know, the admin was like all like, yeah, do this. It was a great experience. And BPNC uh, always supports me in all everything that I've ever done. They've given me like 100% support. They fund the garden that I grow. Uh, in the back in our school building, they've been funding it for years now. Um, so you know they've always showed me a lot of love. But what I would like to see is more participation and more cross curricular um, unit building, and having that space be vulnerable. I'm vulnerable. Mm. Y'all got to open up and be vulnerable. Like let's work through this together, right? Let's work through those reservations that you have or those, you know, biases that you still have or that introspection that you haven't done yet on who you are and why you're so scared of teaching this. What's up? Like, why are you scared? You scared you're going to be called out? You scared, (laughs) like, you know, you got to be held accountable for some of y'all's people actions. Um, So that's where I am. Uh, And, you know, I I know I don't, um, you know, I'm very kind of like, you know, I've been told that I'm a lone wolf, that I don't like to work with people. That's not true. <laughs> I love working with people. It's just We've that. We've all worked with you. We know it's that's that true. Yeah. I like to do radical stuff. I like to do stuff that's going to move the students to really, really start thinking and questioning why are these structures in place? Who benefits? Who makes the laws? What's the purpose of these laws? Who has control of them? That's the type of thinking that I want my kids to get out of my class with. Yeah, you said something very important talking about 
you know, teachers, you know, and their identities and, and being able to be vulnerable. Um, I think that that's like the hugest first step for teachers to be able to engage in transformative teaching or social justice work um, to have, you know, their students even be able to have that safe space to ask questions like that. So I think teachers have to first be learners of themselves, right? So they have to learn themselves Mm -hmm. so that when they are in those vulnerable conversations with students and parents, that they're able to show what you said, the radical love, right? And to show what the goal is of them educating um, the, the students. And so I think that that's really important that teachers, those are important teacher questions that teachers should ask themselves. And so um, I think that, you know, we have to like really push ourselves and that's that's like an everyday work to do. You know, that's a lot of, that's huge work to do. And so I, I think that that's, that's where we start when we, if we go back and say, you know, let's ask these teachers, like, you know, are you willing to uh, kind of like do that self-examination to see why you have that fear or bias that you're having and being able to be vulnerable with your students and parents and talk about things like that. So I think that's critical. So Nina, I really appreciate that reflection because I was thinking the same stuff and I'm, I'm also trying to think, I really am trying to put myself in the shoes of an educator who's in, for example, a classroom or a school that doesn't have a Brighton Park Neighborhood Council, which is what Anna has been referring to, which is, um, we talked to, with uh, Andrea in season one, who is <laughs> very involved in the Brighton Park Neighborhood Council. So we know that they are uh, like a stalwart in that community. Like they are uh, very connected with the schools. If you're in a school that doesn't have that, like, I've, I'm hearing that the way to start this is also going back to what Joanna was saying before and what Nina was just getting to is that vulnerability is is being okay with not having the answers, which as teachers, like that can be extremely scary. Mm-hmm. And if you just think about it as your unit, like if you're emphasizing, if you're in a unit and you're emphasizing essential questions that are critical, that are um uh, trying to look at the world through a new analysis, if you're trying to analyze power with your students, if you're looking at that through questions, then the teacher doesn't have to have the answers, um, which is scarier because you're not sure what the end point's going to be. <laughs> um, and backward planning changes a little bit, and it doesn't. Like Inquiry has to be part of the work we're doing. And I think the power that educators have is to see like what direction does our inquiry go? Like what are the resources we're gonna we're gonna um, analyze? What are the the sources we're gonna prioritize? Um, and maybe that's where people start. Like if there's if mm. if we're in a different position where we don't have the sustainable community schools project, that's aspirational. Like we should all ideally be thinking about the work that we do as part of a larger system, um, uh, it's it can be hard to collaborate uh, across classrooms sometimes. Um, it can be hard to collaborate in a department sometimes. Um, it can be hard to collaborate across a school, <laughs> and like that's that's the work um, of of transforming a community too. Uh, mm-hmm. Painful, slow, dramatic sometimes. <laughs> work um exhausting all those words and beautiful like at some point really beautiful so like 
that to me becomes the spot where it's not just us asking our students to transform. It's us like really pushing ourselves to, to open up, to be okay with, with a little bit of less control as teachers, which is scary. Um, <laughs> and also uh, knowing what, what our weaknesses are, being okay as as a co-learner along with our mm-hmm. students. Mm-hmm. I'm like flashing back to all these conversations we had in season one and I'm like, oh, so-and-so should be in this conversation to tell us more about that because <laughs> this is like so much overlap. But, um, but I'm really thinking about in terms of like my takeaway, it's like starting with that vulnerability, starting with um, a carefully crafted essential question um, and tailoring the sources that you're using so that students are rooted in the histories of their community. So that they're rooted in black histories, indigenous histories that are erased from our typical whitewashed curricula. Um, and so that we as teachers have to do the learning alongside our students. Um, yeah, feel very inspired, very intimidated too. Um, I don't know if people caught Anna was like casually mentioning a community garden that she also happens to run alongside her school. So like, yeah, there's some people that do it all. And then there's some of us who are mere mortals and we just try to survive out here. <laughs> yeah, I did want to talk about one of the things that Anna said too is the, the you know, kind of experiencing that onlyness where you are like that only person kind of, doing that work um and and how does that feel and and how do you get past that because i i, I would say i i i feel that onlyness that you're talking about and that um you know you still keep pushing yourself because you you believe in what you're doing but um do you do you have other uh, teachers that you can communicate with because i found that you know, working, um, when I'm working on, you know, the curriculum, transformative curriculum, like what you're talking about, um, I often um, talk to my friend, uh, Dr. Mindy Chapel, and she works at a whole nother school. <laughs> so, so it's like, I, I wanted to know, like, do you have other people um, outside of your school that you're able to talk to so that you're not like feeling alone in this work? Uh, yeah, so going back to, yeah, going back to the school building, you know, I do have like certain teachers who are very supportive, like, you know, they uh, accept me for all that I am and all that I, all who I am, right? Um, so it's not like they're not, you know, they're there for me. Uh, it's, it's very, um, yeah, it's very difficult, but I do have a so lot I'm of saying, I'm saying the people that like are doing the curriculum work like you, you need somebody. You like okay. I'm trying to focus on this part of the Black Panther part. You know who who is that person? Like, do you have people that you can like kind of bounce ideas off of for lessons outside of the students and the parents? And you know that's what I'm saying. It's like who 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 are you kind of? Do you have anybody that you can like work with? Because I found that that's something that that I had to like talk to other people about so that's, yeah, that's what so I'm I, getting at. yeah yeah so i would say uh the committee like the the sustainable mm-hmm. school committee the anti-racist committee i'm on that joanna founded uh that's the space where whenever we have a question we have a concern uh, we want to bounce an idea off we know that we can go to each other um so like that's the space that i think i i use a lot especially with uh with another educator, Anton, he's been doing a lot of work with the Black Panther Party. So, you know, he's uh, he's really brought a lot of great resources to us. And, you know, I've been uh, going through uh, a lot of the toolkit that we created um, together as a group. 
a toolkit for Black Panther Party resources, and uh, which I'm sure we'll share a link to. I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, we, I have that space. So yes, yes, I do. I have uh, educators and family members and also like uh, parents who are, you know, down for what we're doing and we could bounce ideas. I can bounce ideas off of them. Well, that's good. That's good to know. It's it's also such a good point to bring up because if you do this by yourself, you're an easy target. <laughs> if you do this with people, if you could find your people and make sure that there's like a um, at least a few of you doing this work, it's a lot harder to to dispose of a number of folks. Like in numbers have strengths, so that's an important thing. It's like no don't no one needs to be a martyr in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact we're a lot stronger when we when we're strategic about it. So um, again it's that it's that like uh, organizing piece and the same time doing your classroom work. Yeah. And just to add a little bit, right, like, and we, I mean, there's a whole process, right, and the reason, I mean, some folks now are reaching out and they're like, oh, let's see this curriculum unit stuff, right, and we do sincerely feel like the training is important, it helps alleviate a lot of this but as you know as we started i'm like the materials are there y'all are teachers you're gonna find resources like i'm not worried about that we are here so that we can support each other through the obstacles of getting this established so before Mm -hmm. we even talked about curriculum circles we were talking we started with the pledge Mm -hmm. a a pledge to (laughs) essentially teach truth and that was happening at the same time as the national sin project project to teach truth was coming out um almost simultaneously really and um it was it, it was thinking about how are we going to get through the barriers what are other teachers bringing up what are they scared of what do we really need and and so we're there to to sustain ourselves, to keep this going, right? Anna's first session, nobody showed up. <laughs> I mean, like mm-hmm. zero people yeah. showed up. And we talked it out <laughs> and we chopped it up and we're like, all right, well, did you try this? Did you try this? And it's and that's, you know, how we keep each other going. You know, people talk about accountability, but to me, um, and it's just the way that I work, right? Like I need to have that continual support. Um, I brought up Karen Lewis and I was a pain in the ass for her. But one of the things she told me later on that she learned was when I was her student, there was the beginning of project based inquiries. But and they said Mm. the word and they said, go do the thing and we'll even make a class for it, but never provided the professional Mm. development for it. So, you know, we were going back and forth because she was trying to figure it out, but she wasn't scared (laughs) to be vulnerable and she wasn't Mm. scared to support and Mm. see light in her students. And that was what made me a good question maker. And that is feedback I've gotten in every job. It's like, you're a pain in the ass, but you ask good questions and you have follow through, you know? And so those are are the skills that were instilled in me um, in high school. And to really talk about curriculum circles and who to lean on. And when we're talking about organizing and being protected, there is nothing more powerful that parents and students will go to bat for their mm. teachers. And even mm. if you're the only teacher in the school and you are planning with them, they will stand by you because they know yes. that what you're doing is right and that you're not doing anything to hurt anybody, right? And so when teachers that are teaching powerfully come under attack, 
know that you will have parent support know that you will have student support if you don't know how to teach a thing ask your students how to make this more interesting ask your parents what is engaging that's the entire second third session of curriculum circle planning is hearing what makes them want to come to school what do they enjoy about being here? What are the type of lessons that need to be taken and used um, for this unit, right? What are the things that, 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 that are interesting to them? So we're not, we don't have all the answers and we, we're never going to, but together we can create really powerful units. Yes, um, thank you. And these are like tools to help us all be sustained. Um, in this work and as we challenge ourselves and become vulnerable um yeah bringing bringing the the uh the crew along with us as in like other educators your students your parents their guardians their communities other community organizations um the more we can do that holistically the stronger uh we are in being able to do this work for the long haul um because i appreciate that joanna it's not just like institutional power it's also um <laughs> keeping ourselves going <laughs> which okay uh before i go into like our final question i don't know if you had anything to add Nina. no i was just gonna say that um you know as teachers we often want to you know get our students through uh failure right so as a teacher we also have to learn to fail too right that it's not going to mm. always work and so that's how you get through the the uncertainty of this kind of work where it may not, you may not know how it's going to look at the end. You don't, you don't know what's going to happen um, at the end of the unit, but you do, you're kind of grounded in, uh, you know, like you said, the, the truth and, and the history of what's happening and, uh, and, and you just keep working on it every year and, and just, it may not work out the very first time, but I feel like, you know, the more that you dig and the more that you teach yourself about the truth um, and what happened uh, in these different communities um, and, and to people uh, in the communities, especially um, black people in Chicago. I mean, there's there's some, some real truth to be uncovered. Uh, and so I, I think that that's something that we, we all have to think about and, and really not get buried in, like uh, Anna said, the, the uh, the period, you know, like I gotta teach all this. I gotta teach all this. So what, 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 what do we find that's meaningful to us that we are gonna kind of push uh, on our students? And I think that's really important as teachers to really think about that. Like, um, are you, are why are you teaching that? Like, what's the goal of this lesson? What's the goal of, you know, how's this gonna help students? Is it just to help them get to college? Are you helping them transform their communities? Are you involving? parents and student voices, you know, um, and opinions and what you're doing. So I think that that's really something that, you know, teachers can kind of ask themselves about when they're developing their units uh, and seeing like, you know, how are they, what goals do they really have, you know, for education in their classroom. So I think that's really important. So I'm glad you, you both kind of shared that. So, yeah. Um, and we will put in the show notes, hopefully, if y'all can provide us a link to the toolkit that you mentioned um, and the, the pledge, the teeth, Teach the Truth pledge. Um, 
I think those are useful tools for other educators to take a look at and, you know, use as a model in their own, in their own communities, in their own districts. Um, and I hope anyone listening understands now why I called both Anna and Joanna out for their extreme humble uh, in- introductions, <laughs> because they're obviously both uh, total badasses <laughs> and make me feel inadequate. Just kidding. I learned so much from you guys. Um, and I have a lot. It, it just is very inspiring um and we also want to like humanize each other because we gotta be full humans as we also are educators and organizers and so we wanted to kind of close out with a question about like what do you all do that um sustains you and it it does (laughs) not have to be part of the capital w work that you're always doing like what do you do as humans that sustains you because we all need that like this this season we just nine and i were both like you know what like this is the moment where i maybe more than ever we we all we've all experienced an incredible amount of trauma these past couple years um and at different levels in different ways um and healing and joy have to be part of uh part of our work right now part of it has they have to be priorities and we've talked about healing uh we've talked about things that are quite joyful in this work um uh, and inspiring what do you all do to sustain yourselves as well like as human beings (laughs) tell us a little bit about that before before we close out we just want to end on that note with y'all uh, I could start. Um, so two things. I watch sunrises at oh, the lakefront wow. and mm-hmm. I farm. So I love to, um, so I I started a, a little small little farm called Tierra y Paz. So that's where I find my healing. That's where I find my joy when I need that space. Um, so I just like play with dirt and I grow things and I love to grow things and I love to... Um, to honor the sun that gives us a lot of life. So that's how I sustain myself. That's how I've been sustaining myself for the last the last year. All right, thank you. Well, the question is, how do I sustain myself through all of this hard work? And the honest answer is, I am still working on that. I'm working on boundaries. I am working on saying no. I am working on truly being focused. Um, and this, you know, project for lack of a, a lack of a better word under sustainable community schools has been my focus. It has pulled me away from other work that I truly, truly believe in and want to be a part of and I know needs more people but I have to forgive myself and know that it's okay and know that you can't be at a hundred percent and be effective and continue in this work for a long time and so I'm working on it and I try to enjoy family, friends, cooking, dancing, um, and things that just are life-giving. This is incredibly hard work. And I try to find folks who are there to do the work, but also there to to love on each other, to, to, to have a good time, to enjoy the time and space we have here on this earth, which is limited, 
but doing the hard work that is necessary because for too long we've been told that you can yoga this out or run it out or uh, massage it out of yourself and, and be whole again. And the reality of the matter is that that's not the case for me. That becomes really stressful when I know that there is a lot of things to do. Um, and so, again, I'm working on it. I don't have a <laughs> really good answer on this one, but um, I um, I definitely am enjoying every part of working with this cohort, um, going to their community gardens, meeting up and doing random things and spending just, you know, really positive time with each other as well. Um, I'm so grateful to you both for this conversation and Joanna, to what you were saying about, um, like your source of joy and healing in this work. Uh, for folks who don't know, we are recording this on a Monday night in early November <laughs> after a day of teaching and working and all that. And I somehow feel really energized and like hopeful and joyful. And like this is uh, healing work and it's risky and it's uh, vulnerable. And like that's part of healing too. And there's there's a lot of joy in that if we can stay open to it. And so I'm so grateful to you both for everything you shared. And um, I can't wait to share all of these incredible resources in our show notes um, so that folks can learn more about the Black Panther Party, that history, and also like how to do this work. Um, yeah. Starting with uh, the community, right? Engaging the community. Exactly. And I think that that's yeah. important. And even if you can't like engage parents and you don't feel comfortable, just, just listen to your students, you know, engage your students, yeah. you know, start there and uh, you'll be surprised yeah. at uh, some of the things that they, that they know. So um, that you, you may have thought that they are not making those connections yet but they are and they see it. So thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you both. Thank you both for, for being you. here. Yeah. Thank you both thank for you. being here and uh, we'll, we'll see you around. Thank, thank you, you again. Thank you so much for listening to Pushing Praxis, Dialogues for Transforming Teaching. And thank you, Miles Kamiski, music educator and artist extraordinaire for our theme music. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we encourage you to like and share this content with your community. Follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also get in touch with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or email us at pushingpraxis@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Check out our website at pushingpraxis.org.